Here's Mandrew, that kind of position. Oh, what a goal! What a goal from Danny Mandrew! The shot comes in! Oh, what a screamer! This is the real heart of soccer, quite frankly. Oh, my God, what a finish. Well, Jordan Flores met that on the meet. Hello there and welcome to episode 11 of LOI Arena Podcast. It's myself, Con Murphy, and co-host Conan Byrne with you once more. This LOI Arena Podcast brought to you by Pundit Arena. You can access the podcast at the Pundit Arena website on Sunday evenings and onwards. And uh, we're also available shortly after that on Spotify as well. And in fact, you can check all our back episodes, which are available on Spotify now. So if there are any interviews, particularly I mean, some of the uh, up-to-date stuff will be out of date um, if you're listening to back episodes, if you know what I mean. But the interviews would still be uh, of interest. So they're all on Spotify now. On this week's episode, we're going to chat to a former teammate, a former manager, a supporter and a broadcaster about my co-presenter, Mr. Conan Byrne, to mark his retirement from professional football. Brendan Clark, Liam Buckley, Pats fan Pat O'Callaghan and RTE commentator Adrian Eames will all have their say on Conan's career. Conan, you might have retired from professional football. You're still banging in the goals, though. As a junior footballer, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're look, only a week at it, and you're already scoring goals. Yeah, but first of all, this is a very, um, um, I'm kind of very hot here, very embarrassed by 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 this. Um, people coming on to to talk about me, it's something that I uh, well, listen. They might not, say nice things, you know. I hope not, Con. I really hope <laughs> not. I, I absolutely hope I get slated by all four of them. Um, but yeah, yeah, I I I signed. I actually signed today for my um my local side, River Valley. Um and I played a couple of friendlies during the week and um yeah just back to where it all well not the back to where it all started but before my time at UCD I spent I spent a year at River Valley playing senior football and it taught me so much in terms of as I said men's football the physicality of everything um the camaraderie the group dynamic professionalism even from um seeing 30 33 year old men even um the way they handle themselves even in, at junior ranks it's it's a it taught me a lot. Um, so yeah, there was a few clubs um, wanting to sign, uh, wanting me to sign for them. But at the end of the day, like the reason why I stopped playing was to spend more time at home and, and uh, be around the family and um, more so. And also like might as well give back to the parish as well. Why not? So um, yeah. River so, Valley Rangers it is. Yeah, River Valley Rangers. Yeah, that's it. And is there, it must be funny if you're coming up against a left back who recognises you and says, oh, <laughs> Jesus, here's this fella running at me. Yeah, well, we played two friendlies this week. We played Airfield on, on last Wednesday and James English, the former Shelburne and Longford player, um, was on Airfield's team and he hadn't oh, recognised right. I came on at half time and he hadn't recognised me up to this point. So I was keeping an eye on him. And then they got a corner and I was, I went back for the corner and uh, I was marking him and still I was marking him. He still didn't recognize that it was me. So I gave him a little elbow on the ribs and uh, he's like, God, what the, f-? I can't use expletives, but what the f***, what are you doing here? <laughs> so, uh, and then, uh, fact, yeah, and then we played St. Paul's of Artane on Friday and nobody knew me. <laughs> it was grand, except I got a little tap in the window afterwards off their, their manager going, what the what the f are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'll expect that a little bit more. But look, as I said, it's I'm loving it. You know, it's there's no pressure. It's just a bit of fun with your friends, yeah. and um, yeah, back to 
like to enjoy not that I didn't enjoy it con you know I loved football yeah. for years but I know what you mean though the pressure yeah, is but, off yeah of, just yeah. have a bit of fun yeah yeah, 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 great stuff. Well, listen, the pressure is on a lot of teams in the uh, Premier Division. A really, really interesting weekend this weekend. Um, none of the home teams won. Um, Derry got a last kick of the game equaliser against Bohemians. Uh, Shamrock Rovers held at home by Finn Harps. Great performance by Harps there. And then three away wins. Waterford winning 3 1 at Dundalk on Friday night. A real surprise result there. Drogheda winning 2-1 at Sligo Rovers. Another surprise result. And I suppose you would have expected Pats to win away to Longford as they did 3-1. But, I mean, if you had told me that Waterford were going to win 3-1 against Dundalk, I just wouldn't have believed you. Don't know where that came from. No, but as I said, I've been very impressed with Mark Bertram since he's come in, Con. Um, and obviously, I'm only taking that back on a couple of interviews that he's done. I'm, I'm, that's all I'm taking it on. But even his whole attitude towards the players... Um, like he talked about this post-match press conference, uh, post-match interview yesterday, where he talked about like giving lads a, like he's weren't good enough, you need to improve in the second half and just giving that little insight, it kind of just shows you it, what type of manager he is um, I'd say he's a terrific man manager and a player um, player would probably run through brick wall for him um, like the, the likes of John Martin Con, he's kind of gone off the radar a little bit, he was with Pat's new um, himself and his brother um, a few years ago um, ripping it up in the underage sections um, went, went down to Waterford then in the hope of first team football um, didn't didn't really take the, take it by storm at all but recently he's starting to get back in, in, in form getting a couple of goals he can play in numerous positions John Martin and um, two goals on the night really really good performance overall and um, look take nothing away from Waterford it was a fully deserved victory Dundalk were missing Chris Shields massively in the game, I felt. Um, anytime he's not playing, there's a massive hole in there. Um, and obviously, there's talk now that he's going to be leaving in the in the window to heading up north. Whether that's true or not, it remains to be seen. But if they lose him, Con, it's going to be an, it's, it's going to be even worse. It really is terrible up there. It just seems to me that the indecision or the uncertainty at the club seems to be just dragging on for so long. You, you you look at Twitter and the fans of the club still don't know who's going to, like Jim McJilton is saying, well, maybe he's going to take over until the end of the season. But then, then there's still this question mark of, you know, is are they still looking for somebody or has the decision been made? It just seems very uncertain. It's been uncertain for months and it's it's ridiculous. It's like, I don't know whether Jim McJilton like, likes this. Does he like having this... Uh, I don't know, attention brought towards him. Um, it certainly seems that way because as the amount of in, um, applicants that have applied for this job is is in the hundreds. Um, the amount of people that have, are capable of taking Dundalk forward is huge as well. Um, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know I mean, why the decision in, in fairness to made. In fairness to Jim McGilton, uh, he has a very good CV. He worked, obviously, with Michael O'Neill for a long time. He worked in England, worked in Northern Ireland, has a great CV as a player as well. So if they just said Jim McGilton is going to manage the team, he's taking over as manager, fair enough. But there's this grey area of... You know, he's the um, direct sports director or whatever. He has a say in who's going to be appointed. And then he appoints himself. Uh, I, I don't know. I just think it's a, a very muddy waters. 
yeah but he said that he didn't want the job back in one of the first interviews like that he, he wanted to get something sorted and yet all of, yeah he's going to supposedly now from by all reports saying that he's going to take the job to the end of the season he's going to bring in dave rogers as his assistant that's the the, the rumor mill at the moment um and whether that happens or not remains to be seen like even tonight now there's still talk that they still should be going after tim clancy and the, and the job that he's been doing in Drada, which is remarkable i'm sure we'll get to that result now shortly but um, as I said, there's plenty of very, very good candidates out there to, to take Dundalk forward, and um, like because even as a player, you're gonna, you're not gonna know where you stand, um, because do I even? Let's take for example that if you want to stay at Dundalk for next season, you want to know who's going to be in charge, who's going to take the club forward, what's the club's ambitions, what's the club's goals. As a player, if I was at Dundalk now, my mind would be going elsewhere. Really, yeah, and and that's kind of showing in the results. I mean, having taken the lead through Pat Huben's penalty, you thought, okay, that's you know good, uh, and then conceding three at home to to Waterford. Now they're third from bottom of the table. Uh, Waterford have moved to within eight points of them. That's it's an unbelievable fall from grace for uh, Dundalk. That's for sure. Yeah, but we've uh, talked about this so often now, Con. You know, it's it like it's got to the stage now where. Is this their is this their lead position? Is this is this where, is this how good they are? That's obviously that's because it's such a it's it's been going on so long now that there's no change in performances. They had a, they had a great result against Pats a couple, a couple of weeks ago, but they're few and far between. Um, just something something needs to be nailed down, like you said. Name the manager, name the assistant manager. And get going exactly like Waterford did when they got when when they let go of um, Kevin Sheedy and Mike Neal. They brought in Mark Burcham within twenty four hours. Do you know, same with Derry when they got rid of uh, Declan Devine. Rory Higgins was appointed, and he was in he, he was involved in the uh, the Ireland setup. But look how quickly that was that was sorted. So, I'm this is ridiculous about all these interviews and applicants and all this type of stuff. Name a person that will take the club forward, and go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned Tim Clancy there. I mean, Drada's two-one result at the showgrounds probably the result of the weekend. I mean, with with uh, maybe along with Waterford's win at um, Oriel Park, but to go to Sligo Rovers to lead two 0 actually until uh, the last minute of the match. Chris Lyons with two goals. This at the second goal was a cracker, nearly burst the net. Um, he's a player who's completely been revitalised, I think. Um, but that's an amazing win for them, and it pushes them up. You know, fourth place now, 25 points. They're only six off the top. Really good performance. Um, but I saw them against Derry. We talked about it. Um, they were lethargic. They were tired. Um, they were looking forward to the mid-season break. Um, they gave themselves, Strada gave eight days off. Great um, training this week. Tim Clancy mentioned it in his post-match interview. That training was really, really good. They're really up for it. They got a number of players back from injury, which was vital. Like said, Jake Highland, Dinny Corcoran came back as well. Got 20 minutes tonight. Um, so that's really positive news. But on that, take all that aside, to go down to the showgrounds where Sligo are absolutely flying and to come, come away with a result where your centre-forward gets two goals, the second one, as you said, being absolutely top-class finish, um, speaks volumes. The fact that they're only four, six points off the top um, is absolutely incredible. And massive credit must go to the management team there because the this the squad that they've assembled, um, great blend of youth and experience, and um, they're scoring goals. Con um, 
from all over the pitch. It's not just the likes of Mark Doyle, Chris Lyons. I know they're the top two now in the in terms of the goal scoring charts. Um, and you wouldn't have sus- predicted that at the start of the season. So it's a fantastic victory. Yeah. Uh, Sligo and Shamrock Rovers um, joint top on 31 points. I think Rovers have scored one more goal, so technically they're top. But but essentially it's neck and neck between those two. Shamrock Rovers held by Finn Harps, who played really well. Another goal for Adam Foley, his seventh of the season after Aaron Green had opened the scoring uh, for the hoops. Derry, um, it looked like they were going to lose at home again. Ali Coote with a fine goal for Bowes on 83 minutes. Great shot. Uh, and then Mark Walsh with that goal deep in injury time for them. And St. Pat's third in the table now. And they're only three points off the top as well after their 3-1 win at uh, Longford. I thought it was a soft penalty that Longford got anyway. But uh, Robbie Benson, Matty Smith and Ronan Cochran, the uh, goals for, for Pat. So suddenly... <clears throat> It's getting tight at the top. You know, you have Rovers and uh, Shamrock Rovers and Sligo Rovers, 31 points each. Pat's on 28, Drogheda on 25. Um, and Bowes would have been on 23 if they hadn't conceded that last minute. But teams are taking points off each other. Yes, absolutely. Six points between the top four. It's, um, it is great to see from a neutral perspective um, to see it really tight at the top. It used over the last number of years, Con, as you know, it's been only a two-horse race from this time right through to the end of the season. So to see it, four, possibly even five teams, Competing at the top end of the table, if Bohemians had won, it would have been would have been great. Um, from the from the league's perspective, but again, Rory Higgins and Derry the really rejuvenated form under under him. Um, I'm actually interested to hear your thoughts, Con, on on the thousand people that went to Tallis Stadium at, on Friday. I know you were on commentary duty, or you were talking about the possibility of getting very emotional seeing the seeing the crowds back. How how was it? Uh, the, it there was a shiver down my spine uh, as we were going on air. They actually put up um, a couple of um, pages of, of the names of some of the fans who we've sadly lost since the lockdown started. And it was over 12 months since um, the fans were allowed back in at Tallah Stadium. <clears throat> so that was emotional in itself. And then just hearing the fans underneath us uh, singing and making noise and getting behind the team. I, I did. I was shivering down my spine. It was absolutely brilliant. And it's amazing what a thousand people can do at a match, you know, um, in terms of generating an atmosphere and get behind the team. Um, I did one game in Portugal this year. I don't know if I mentioned this to you before. In the Azores, they were allowed to have, it was actually 960 fans at a match to be exact. And I remember doing that match and it was just so brilliant to have noise, the, the noise of the fans in the state, even though there was only 960 at that one. Um, and likewise, Atala on Friday night, it was brilliant. Um, and they mightn't have got the result they wanted in the end, but they they were just so happy to be back. So many of those faces were beaming, you know. I was going to mention, like, has it been difficult for you as a commentator to commentate on games with no fans in them? Definitely. Definitely it's harder. Yeah, Why? Yeah. Um, because a bit like a footballer, who gets lifted by a crowd uh, in his performance, so does a commentator. You know, you you feed off that energy that the crowd are giving you for any incident, whether it's a penalty shout or celebrating a goal or whatever it might be. You're carried on that wave of noise and, and emotion in the stadium. And when that isn't there, it's, it's tough. I mean, I, I've done a lot of sort of pre-season friendlies where, you know, we'd say Inter Milan are playing servette of switzerland or something and there's you know 50 people in the ground and it's it's really hard to do because there's just no atmosphere nothing um so yeah no it makes a big difference a really big and and hopefully fingers crossed 
the graph keeps going in the right direction and, and more and more fans can go to the games because it means so much to so many people. And I know at the moment the Euros are on now and there's going to be huge focus on the European Championships and those games which are ongoing. And in some ways, the league might get a little bit forgotten for the next couple of weeks. But for the fans of the teams, the, the people who are going into the grounds, it, it means everything, you know, it really does. And I was chuffed to bits to see uh, so many coming and hopefully everything went well it was really well organized outside and inside the ground all the you know you had your temperature taken everybody attending had to fill out a form in advance um making sure that they were you know there weren't they had no uh, symptoms or anything like that and the spacing out in the stadium was very well policed and organized and Overall, I think the the event went really well as a trial event, you know. But it was it was just so good to have fans back, and and I know there were fans back in some of the other grounds, maybe not quite such big numbers, but they still, you know, the the, the fans that were there for Derry to to be able to celebrate that last minute goal was was uh, incredible. Um, so yeah, yeah, that was um, that was one of the highlights of the weekend, really, the fans getting back in. Um, Adam Foley's goal wasn't one of your highlights though obviously well do you know what he took it really well it went through Alan Manus' legs and you could tell from Manus' reaction afterwards that he was annoyed at himself you know mm. it hasn't been his best goals. season Con I have no. to say now in terms of like he's made a couple of mistakes for and, and for Alan Manus to, to have a couple of mistakes is, is very very rare so hopefully well from Shamrock Rovers' perspective you'd like to think that would be his, his, his last one because from the angle from the angle of Adam Foley scoring, it was a very, very difficult angle. He should never have scored from it, being totally honest. But full credit to him. Um, yeah, so fair, fair play. Uh, Bowles, obviously, that, that goal, Mark Walsh, it did cross the line. I think we can both admit that, uh, yeah, that, that yeah. it crossed the line. Um, but again, Keith Long would be absolutely raging that he didn't. Scoring so late in the game, fantastic strike by, by Ali Coote um, to concede so late in the game. Such a sloppy goal as well. Um, He'll be kicking themselves because Bowes have been doing that regularly. The, the, defensively, they haven't been great um, in the last couple of games. So, but yeah, it was um, inter- twenty-five yellow cards in the Premier Division this this uh, in the last. Was there? Yeah, yeah, a lot. That's uh, average a lot, of five yeah. a game. Average of five no a reds game, this yeah. week. No reds though. Yeah, which is which yeah. is good. And next week, um, Dundalk take on Longford at Oriel Park. Kind of a must must win game for uh, Dundalk there. Uh, Waterford are at home to Shamrock Rovers. St. Pat's play Sligo. That's going to be a fantastic game. Uh, Bowes against Drada. That's going to be a good one as well next weekend. And we have the Northwest Derby, Finn Harps against Derry. So lots of good games to look forward to in the uh, Premier Division uh, next season. But um, we will chat about the First Division. Uh, no women's uh, National League football this week. We'll chat about the First Division games uh, um, a bit later on. And we'll also be talking about Shelburne uh, with... Um, Brendan Clark, who obviously is an old buddy of yours, uh, Conan. You've been playing uh, for many years with uh, Brendan at various clubs. And actually, uh, we chatted with him a bit earlier on. And, and that was one of the first points I made to him. You know, he's a, an old buddy of yours and he's played with you for many years. But joining us on the line now is Brendan Clark, who would have been a long time companion of Conan down through the years. I'm just thinking, Brendan, uh, actually, before we start talking about Conan, Let's have a quick chat about Shelburne because obviously you're playing with Shells at the moment. You've had another good result this weekend, a 4-1 win out in Bray. You're eight points clear at the top of the table. So it's happy days. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going all right, isn't it? Um, I think anyone, any other club in the league would uh, 
would bite your hand off to swap with us. So, uh, but look, we're, we're there, we're, we're where we expect to be and, and kind of there the levels we, we expect to reach and we're, we're there to be shot at. So, you know, it's it's about, I've always said to the group that if you don't turn up on any given day in, in this league or in, in, in any league in, in, in this country, you get beaten. So, you know, you need to fully respect the, the opposition, fully respect the division that we're in. Because you know we're we're in the first division, so players can come down thinking it's a jolly up, and but it's not. It's a tough league. It's a really tough league, and you need to you need to show respect to to the opposition, and 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 then when you get your chance to play, that you go and impose yourself on games, and 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 hopefully win matches. That's the politician's answer, but the reality is that Shelburne are clearly the best team in that division. That's your opinion, and and thanks for that, Con. Yeah. <laughs> no, listen, we, we we've we've done okay. Um, I, I still don't think we've clicked fully. Um, I, I, I'd like to see us tighten up and in, in, in conceding soft goals. Um, that's just the goalkeeper in me. Um, but Not to you know, save the shots, no. No, but I try, Colin. You know, I'm getting on now. <laughs> um, but look, we're, we're starting to score goals in games, which is great because you know we had been creating chances and and, and just winning games by one. Um, and listen, there are games that you're going to have to dig in and, and, and scrap out wins and find ways to win and stuff. But, you know, you, you look at the last three games, have been 3 1, 4 0, 4 1. So, um, look, I, I don't mind winning a game 5 4 and, and not keeping a clean sheet, you know. So, once the team's winning, then we're achieving our goals. Was there a reason why um, you dropped down a division, Clarkie? Because obviously you did play really, really well last season at Pats, um, yourself personally. I'm sure there was clubs interested in coming in for you as well, and I'm sure Pats wanted to keep you. Was there a reason why you decided to join Shells? Yeah, look, I, I, I could have stayed at Pats. I, I kind of feel like you're, you're angling for a bit of a, a headline here, Cole, are you? Um, Not at all. Nah, look, it's... Um, I mean, you you yourself, you know the reasons why why I, I left Pats. And to be honest, once once Ian uh, got, got in touch with me, you know, it, it did move pretty quickly. Um everything everything he said I mean every every new sign is going to say this oh the manager sold me this and I wanted to be on board straight away like but it, it, it's literally I, I needed something I needed to be to be happy going into training and and enjoying my football you know um, and and kind of what he said was great and the, the, the staff he was putting in place obviously Paul Skinner would have been a big pull um, obviously look, he's, he's a good friend of mine but I, I done me me goalkeeping A licence with him so I, I know the level of coach he's at, uh, sorry, where he's at. And I know, I know the detail that he goes into in terms of training preparation, uh, opposition analysis and stuff. And, and, and that's something I, I wanted to get involved in. And, you know, the manager kind of sold me the, uh, the idea of coming in and, and helping progress the younger lads and, and being that bit of experience to, to what is kind of, well, it was a pretty young group. When, when I signed, obviously, we, we signed a few more experienced lads after right time but um the chance of going in and, and being able to help young lads in their careers and, and hopefully achieve goals by the end of the season was was very appealing to me i'm genuinely not looking for a headline here at all but uh conan knows why you left saint pat's i i'm not sure what the story was was it a personality clash or see that's why that's why i asked the question though because obviously i do know but i'm sure a lot of pe- other people 
want to know. So it wouldn't. I wouldn't be doing my job right here if I didn't ask the question. No, that, I, I, listen, I, I expected you to because you, listen, you text me and tell me you're going to ask me. It. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, look, look, there's no point in getting into it. I had, I had an opportunity to go and it's like any other job isn't it like if if you're not happy doing a job and you know you have an opportunity to go somewhere else where you think you might be happier it's why not make the change when you have enough to pay the bills and pay the mortgage like so that that was that was my thinking on that i'm not gonna there's no point in getting into it now kind of what seven eight months down it's not it's not a big deal i'm genuinely interested i'm not i'm not digging here i'm not trying to <laughs> cause a problem for you i'm genuinely it, it, like was it just the people you were working with or and I won't push it beyond this, but I'm genuinely interested. I don't think I don't think anything good would come of getting stuff off my chest like this, you know, or whatever it is. You know, it's 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 pointless kind of bringing it up now. I made it. I made a decision for myself at the end of last season, and uh, it's a decision I'm really happy with, and it's one that that that's going pretty well at the moment. But look, obviously, football football is football, you know. Players move, managers come in, players move on, stuff like that. It, it is what it is. You just get on with it. The one thing, obviously, you're at Shells now, and Shells are on a real high. Really, since Conan left, things have been going great for Shelburne. They got relegated, Conan. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> That's a terrible show. <laughs> That's true, actually. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> they should never have got rid of Conan. <laughs> Uh, come here. How far back to, in your career do you go with Conan? I think first was when I went on loan to Fingal, called two thousand and eight. Would have been yeah. yeah. So I went on loan from the July in two thousand and eight. Uh, we played fourteen, fifteen games in the fourth division back then, and so that that's when we we kind of got to know each other and started start playing together and built up a relationship on the pitch, I suppose, and and off it as well. Like so, it was a. Uh, yeah, back in about thirteen years ago now. It was just like I remember when you came in. It was Fingal at the time. We were young at the time, obviously, but Fingal had a had a lot of experienced players in that. So I suppose we kind of just hit it off by being a couple of young lads in the dressing room with with the likes of Robbie Doyle, Peter Hines, Paul Caffrey, um, yeah, those type of lads, and they were uh, helped. I don't know if they obviously you were in there for a couple of months initially. You obviously, came then in two thousand and nine. Um, under Buckley, 2010 was it? 2010, yeah. I, I still had a year left on my contract. That past. That's right. You weren't there for the cup win, yet, yeah. So, yeah. So, um, yeah. that was the uh, the infamous Jeff Kenny year at Pats. Um, oh, you loved then, that year then. Yeah, that's another one. I'm not going to go back. <laughs> um, yeah, but then obviously we 2010. Um, Liam wanted me to stay for 2009, but. Pats obviously wanted me back. Um, Johnny Mack was great. He sent me out on loan, brought me back in to uh, to play in two thousand and nine. But Johnny ended up leaving before the season. Jeff came in. Jeff was obviously had Gary Rogers at, at Galway in two thousand and eight, and brought Gary with him. And and that was pretty much the end of me from day one. Kind of when Jeff came in, you know, it was only when it was a good, Pete Mack, good decision, it was a good brilliant decision. decision. Um, <laughs> it was only when Pete Matten kind of took over and um, when when Jeff was sacked that uh, I, I kind of played the last 10 games, 9, 10, 10 games that year. We actually, we ended up staying up kind of on the, on the last day against Rovers. Why did you, I don't know, why did you move on then in, in 2010? You, you had your time 
come to an end of Pats at that stage then that you wanted to move on? Yeah, I think obviously I had a, I had a feel for playing um, when, when I got the, the games at Fingal and, uh, you know, working with Liam and how easy he makes it, you know, uh, it was it was really enjoyable. The group, it was something I needed at the time to, to, to play games because I would have been 23 at that stage, you know, um, and I, I, look, it, it's one of my regrets in my career that I didn't really push to get out on loan before then. Um, so when when this opportunity came around to play games, it was, was uh, it was something I had to jump at. And obviously working with Liam was great, and and, and that always stuck with me. And the, the, the style he played, the style of football he played, he wanted his teams to play, and 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 what he wanted the goalkeeper to do as well, which which was great. Um, so then yeah, Liam obviously kept in touch kind of throughout two thousand and nine, and and and. With you guys getting promoted and winning the cup, then it was a geez, it was an absolute no-brainer to, uh, to go to Fingal in twenty ten. I remember when I uh, when I signed for Pats in twenty thirteen. I went to the cup final in twenty twelve just as a just to see what it was like. And I remember there. Were, I'll be honest. I can be honest now. There was a part of me who were saying I actually don't want them to win this because I'm not part of it yet. I prefer to, I want to be a part of this. I want to be in the team. Was there a part of you, obviously you knew what the FA Cup final in 2009. Did you feel the same way? You were like, I don't, I don't want them to win no, this. No, see, I, I was I was a guest of, of Fingal at the 2009 Cup final. like, um, And I was I was jumping around like a fan when, when Naylor scored. Like, you know what I mean? Because I knew I was going there. Um, so then European football, like you, you kind Guarantees of... Guarantees European football, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, it, that there... I mean that the 2010 game at Maritima, well, that was my first time playing in Europe. You know, like and it, it was it's <laughs> some trip. Ah, stag deal. What a week yeah, away. Colin describes it as a week long holiday. What a week away. Um, Sunday to Sunday, <laughs> con. Unheard of. You know, normally you fly on a, on a Tuesday if you're lucky and come back on a, on a Friday morning or whatever. But we went Sunday to Sunday, so ah. Oh. Um, but yeah, listen now. The, the the I remember it being freezing in Tala that day. It was freezing in the stands, like. But um, yeah, obviously, Collie James sticks the pen on the top corner, and then Naylor diving header in the ninety fourth minute, and you you know you're jumping around thinking thinking what twenty ten can bring. So the history between you two goes back a long time, actually. You know, and you've, your your careers have run parallel for a lot of years. Yeah, well, we. we, we same age, like kind of Conan would have played a lot more games, kind of from the, the I suppose two thousand and five when you come in to to when I really kind of think that was the first time I really started to play, and even then, me and Darren quickly kind of chopped and changed a bit in in, in twenty ten. Liam wasn't afraid of, of of making that change, you know, and um, so Conan would have would have got a leg up on on the appearances from from two thousand and five to that to that. So yeah, but we have we, we we've. We kind of uh, been a similar age and stuff. Kind of careers obviously ran kind of parallel. I'm surprised actually. Just, just you know, you look younger than Conan. Obviously, with Conan's hair uh, situation now these oh, days Jesus and stuff. Jesus <laughs> Hold on, it's only been a couple of minutes and you've already brought up the hairline. It's actually not bad. I'm not like curves or somebody. No, you're hanging on to it just about, just about. I, I'd give it another twelve months, maybe. It's See, there about. Clark, you know, in fairness, how many times has that been said? What, you're on your last haircut? Yeah. 
Oh, it, today is the worst I've seen it. <laughs> today is the worst I've seen it in a long, long time. Yeah, it is. It's poor. I actually thought you shaved your head again for charity. <laughs> <laughs> nah, but listen, to be fair, Conan, he, he, he does, he takes the banter really well and he he, he can give it back just, just, as, just as much, you know, if not a little bit harsher. Listen, I was surprised when Conan was talking about his early days in the league and he was talking about playing for UCD up front and not being able to hold the ball up well and stuff because that is like his ball control and skill and stuff is something genuine attribute I would um, sort of give to Conan. Um, But as somebody who played with him for so many years, I mean, what would your analysis of his game be? (laughs) Um, You're asking the wrong man here. No, it's... (laughs) Wow. Conan, I'd imagine, would have been a left winger's nightmare because he didn't have skill to get by you. He lost his pace early enough, but he still got by you. Like, (laughs) Conan Conan would take a touch, go too far, run into the left back, kind of jostle around legs, and it'd come out the other side. And that's when Conan came alive, like, with his deliveries into the box. So... You know, he, I say Conan, he knew his limits and what he could do, and he maximized that to, to probably his, his last game, kind of last week, you know. I don't understand why people don't do that, though. Well, like footballers, do, like, play to your strengths, and if, why, why try something that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, listen, obviously, you, you kind of. You, you were lucky you, you and Liam's relationship kind of kept you on the pitch for a lot more minutes than you should have done <laughs> but now listen I, I give him one thing he always he always had a knack of being in the right place at the right time um, to finish crosses tap-ins and, and uh, you know put balls into the box and, and you know you only have to look at his stats his goals scored and assists are, are, are incredible I, I genuinely don't think he got enough credit for for what he brought to teams, like yeah, that is something common, isn't it? Like for a wide player, over 150 goals in professional football is it's a pretty good return. Yeah, but like as I, as we were talking about there, I listened to what my manager asked of me. So it was a case of with Liam getting my arse to the touchline when the fullback has it, and when the wide player has it on the other side, you're you're a set, you're playing as a centre forward. So that was my job. So if when the right back had it when Jer had it or Brian Gannon or Collie James or whoever played at right back under Liam if I wasn't an option for him well then I would have been wouldn't have been playing I would have been taken off and somebody else would have been put in the team and that's why I don't understand with, with players these days that they don't listen to what the manager has to say because at the end of the day the manager is picking the team so if he's not if you're not doing what he asks you're not going to play so um but yeah, look, I think in I, I agree wholeheartedly with what Clarkey has had to say there about me because I didn't have the skill really to get by many players, but I did have a very, very good cross and I knew I had a good cross. So I always have faith and belief in, in my deliveries into the box and um, nine times. And that's that's where my confidence came from. You know, it came from from that and then from being at the back stick to, to put goal away. I was a striker growing up, so um there was a knack of being there at the right time as well but um yeah i suppose just play like play to your strengths like there's no point in doing anything differently and when you look at brendan now like the same age as you more or less and he's still you know playing to win 
a, a league. Uh, yeah, he does have a better hairline than you <laughs> still. But, um, but he, you know, he's got the the prospect of of winning a, a first division title with Chelsea this season. Is there is there a party that's a little bit jealous still? Of like of not playing of, of yeah yeah absolutely yeah absolutely I think I'll always have that I think if you ask me that um, at your age at seventy five con I think I'll I'll still be like that um, <laughs> I deserve that in fairness <laughs> um, I think that I'd uh, I'd still want to be still playing at the top, at the highest level and um, I think Clarkie's only dropped down a division being honest because he wants to achieve similar to what I've achieved in terms of another medal on on, on the table he'd probably move up north after this and try and win a Middlesbrough <laughs> cup as well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, it'll be a trap. In all in all fairness, like, as I said, we struck up a great relationship off the pitch. But I think it was nearly we, we struck up a brilliant relationship on it as well because um, it's a weird one, isn't it? Like a goalkeeper and a right winger. Yeah, but like there's been countless goals that have come from Clarkie's long ball and then me taking a touch and just scoring. It's um, I can count three from the top of my head. <clears throat> um, so, and the first one was probably back in 2008 when he came on loan at Darren at loan and at loan, yeah. 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 Um, there was one another one in Bray, right? Um, yeah, so yeah, there was just like it's just uh, it's 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 very strange. Like, and he'd never pick me out for a like, I'd, I'd never be the, the starting off, like, if you're playing it long, aim for the Conan and you'll head it on. It wouldn't be a header, that, no. Oh, was, no, no, never. Always spacing behind for Conan. Yeah, um, it was. But that was the thing. That's the thing. Conan was clever. Like Conan, always seemed to, like he really wanted to to make assists or, or score goals. Like that was a real hunger for him. Like so, every time the opposition would be cut off, so I'd I'd pick the ball up, throw it to a centre half, who would just place it for me to come on. And Conan knew this. Like we we probably we we did it a few times in training. Like. Just to get that timing right, and obviously the timing of his run, he knew I wasn't going to clip it to his head. I was going to put it in behind him, so he knew where it was going. And a few times, I shank it out a player or whatever. But um, my touch would put it into the stand as well. In fairness, but, but the one in twenty times it, it comes off, we 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 score from you know, and it, it does make it worthwhile. And it, it was it was something that wasn't off the cuff. Like it it was it was a, a tool to to use. So we kind of did it. Like. Well, look, you had some great years together. There's no doubt about it. And it's great to see that you're still buddies off the pitch. And I'm sure that will continue long into the future as well. And listen, good luck with the rest of the season, Brendan. It's going great so far. So onwards and upwards. And you'll be back in the Prem next year with uh, shells by the looks of it. But we won't count too many chickens just yet. No, listen, we've still got, what, 16 games to go. So, um, yeah, listen, like I said, we're there to be shot at. But, you know, we, we know the standards we have in, in, within the group. And... Training's been good, staff. I don't think I've, I genuinely don't think I've worked with a harder working staff. Um, off the pitch in terms of session planning, giving us opposition analysis. Um, every game is literally treated like a, a cup final. I mean, I'm sure when the cup rolls around and if we if we were to draw a, a big Premier Division club, that the the, um, the attention to detail would, would be would be you know the same as as what we get when we, we travel to whatever in the first division so um no it, it's been it's gone well the lads have hit a bit of a, a purple patch at the moment and we just need to keep our heads now refocus again go again next week for Wexford well now that you know that uh, Conan has outed himself as a St. Pat's fan he uh, won't be cheering for you uh, if you've come up against Pat's in the cup but uh, that's further down the road anyway ah yeah and listen he's 
Conan's years or Pat's, it's like I said, it, in terms of recognition, I mean, he, he genuinely deserves a lot more than he got. Um, even in terms of you know individual accolades and, and player of the years and team of the year awards and stuff like that, he, sh- he should have been up there. He should have been in you know a few of the elevens. Um, but look, that, that that that's football, and I'm sure when he, when he looks back at his medal hall, he can he can be incredibly proud. And, yeah, I, I don't like saying too much good stuff about him um, because he's absolutely lapping this up here. You know? so, uh, <laughs> I actually am, man. I actually am. <laughs> nah, to be fair, he's, he's, he's like I said, I've known him a long time. He's an absolute credit to, to Aiden and Kay, his family, and uh, to the league as well. The stuff he does off the pitch as well. I've been lucky enough that he's asked me to give him a dig out with a couple of the charity things, kind of behind the scenes and stuff. And um, some of the stuff he does is absolutely incredible. And um, he, he uh, just got he just got a new car, so um, we're trying to figure out where that money came from. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but listen, he, he's he's a credit to the league and a credit to football in this country. I might be on to you again about another fundraiser, actually. And I think his legal people will be on to you as well. Actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I just throw in the word allegedly there? That gets me off everything. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's great yeah. chatting with you, Brendan. Thanks a million for joining us on the podcast. No problem. Today. Really appreciate no it. Problem. Cheers, man. Thanks. Well, we're joined now by Liam Buckley, Sligo Rovers manager, who, of course, has had a huge influence on Conan's career down through the years. And, and we'll talk about that in a second, uh, Liam. But just before we do that, a quick word about the, the match last night. You went into it seven unbeaten, having won five in a row. Uh, before that defeat to Drogheda. And I'm just wondering, did the mid-season break kind of come at the wrong time for you? You were on a roll. Uh, it's not ideal having a mid-season break, to be honest with you. My time, we'd had no breaks. You're not a kind of way I just ran the season right through. But uh, look, it, it was what it was. In fairness to Drogheda, they played quite well. They did a good shape about themselves. They've signed in well. Uh, and they probably largely deserved a win. And Chris Lyons' goals, I mean, they were crackers. There are two worldies. Uh, like he struck the second one particularly well, but the first one was well took as well. Uh, to chip Ed from just inside the penalty box uh, needed a deft touch, but uh, in fairness to them, they did. I thought they worked extremely hard. Drogheda did. Uh, kept a good shape defensively, um, and one or two chances we had. We need to score at that time, you know, the kind of way, but uh, it wasn't to be, so we just move on, you know. Yeah, and it's it's Pat's next, so that's a a good test for you next time out. Yeah, again, uh, there's, there's, as you know, there's no easy games in our league. So, um, and in fairness to Toronto last night, they did work extremely hard. We were just off for a little bit, uh, which hopefully we can get back now for Friday, Monday, because we got Pats and Derry uh, next weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, Liam, obviously you're on to talk about Conan, and I, I, I said at the top there that that um, you've had a big influence on his career. Can you remember the first time you saw Conan playing? Um, I remember seeing him a few times before I signed him uh, with UCD. Uh, and there was a few of those players caught my eye, not just Conan at that time. Uh, there would have been Roland Finn and Shane McFall. Like UCD have a great uh, history of turning out players, you know, right across the league, you know, the kind of way. And every year, including this year, they've, they've got some really good players, you know, the kind of way. Uh, but these guys caught my eye. And um, he was arguably one of the best signs I've made through my career as a manager. Because uh, if you, if you ask me, if you push me on a, a to pick a, a, a best 11, uh, he'd definitely fit in on the right for me. Really? Yeah, that's some praise uh, now, because you've, you've managed a lot of good players down through the years. 
No, I have. And uh, to be honest with you, like, he was fantastic at Sporting Fingal with a great time there as well with the three years. Uh, I've no doubt he did well with UCD. I think he was top scorer with UCD as well. Um, uh, even when I recollect, um, I'm not sure what year it was, Conan, 2014 maybe, um, when Christy Fagan got player of the year. Uh, Christy had a fantastic season and really well. He had 20 goals. It just went a little bit under the radar. I think, Conan, you had 19 that year, had you? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm 18 or 19, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I'm very in mind you had to put in a shift defensively and obviously you're putting in crosses for the rest of them to score on and whatever, like Conan would have had a job spec and uh, I do, when I'm even talking to some of my even current players now, even up here in Sligo, I do reflect on Conan and, and what he did and how he did it, you know, the kind of way. Um, and it was no surprise that he, he got as many goals as he did to his career because he was quite an intelligent player, both on and off the pitch. Uh He's just stuck to his job and done it really, really well. And that's why he had a great career, you know. Conan, for you, and um, when you hear Liam saying that he put you into his team of his of his best eleven that he's managed down through the years, that's that's some praise. Oh, of course it is. Yeah, Jesus. Um, to be even considered for it is 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 something. But as I said, we've myself and Liam had a had a wonderful relationship both on and off the pitch. And as I said earlier on, and when we were talking to Brendan Clark about it, we I listened to what I was told and what I had to do as a player. Um, as a manager, Liam knew what I was good at, and he played me most of the time, um, nearly every game, um, from for both Fingal and Pats, um, because I did what I was told. I I I stayed to the touchline when um, when the fullback had it. I gave, I was an option for midfielders when when they were struggling for a, for a pass. So I was the out ball a lot of the time. And um, as I talked about as well, I was able to put, thankfully, I was a good crosser of a ball, which helped, really helped um, in those, in with Pat's and with Liam's formations, the way he likes teams to be played. So you need to be a good crosser of a ball in Liam's teams. And thankfully, I was uh, I was good at good at that part. Now, my head, and I'm sure Liam would agree, wasn't, wasn't really great at the best of times. <laughs> but uh, it was... Um, but it was a wonderful... Like, like, if you look back in my career and the successes that I had, it was... It was all under Liam and um, like it was just a, a brilliant time and memories to look back on with Liam as manager of, of myself. Yeah. I suppose, well, well, Liam, just just um, on the Fingal situation, when you won the Cup in 09, I think a lot of ex- people wouldn't have expected that. And mm-hmm. that must have been very special because it was a, a kind of like a new project. It was a wonderful project to be involved in. Um, had great ambition at the time. Um we had Conan in as both a player and marketing stroke community officer uh, doing off the field stuff as well. Uh, but it was a great project to be involved in for us to win the cup that year. Like UCD won the league that year in the first division. Uh, we didn't win that, mm. but yet we won the cup, uh, which was a great achievement in fairness to the group that we had. But we had some really quality players, uh, including Conan, you know, and we, uh, we, had, we had a great time there. It was a great three years, just terribly unfortunate that uh, the county council had to close the book on it. And when you think back on the trophies that you won uh, with Conan in the team, obviously there was that one, um, winning the league with Patson in, in 2013. And that very special cup for Patson, 14 again, just such a long wait for the club to win the... Could that, uh, it was great emotion uh, that day in the Aviva as well. Yeah, it meant a lot to everybody because we had been beaten by Derry in the cup. Um, maybe was it two seasons before we won it? Um yeah. And we were all disappointed. We were all disappointed because obviously we hadn't been one in fifty-one years, whatever it was. 
so or 52, whatever it was. And uh, but I do reflect back on that dressing room. I don't know what I can't if you remember. And I remember saying to the boys, we will get back here. Remember the, the, the feeling of defeat because uh, it was a, a very depressed uh, dressing room. In fairness, everybody, we were all so disappointed. And um, we got back there two, two years later, ironically against Derry again. And we ended up winning, which is a fun, it was just another special moment of my career, as well as Conan's, I'm sure, uh, from a winning point of view, because it meant so much to the club and so much to the, the people that were involved with St. Patrick's Football Club, from the supporters to our sponsors to, to Gary Kelleher, who, who owned the club, and to all the players who put so much effort in. You know? But we had some fantastic footballers. Uh, and, you know, I was just I was so delighted. It was, it was a great time for, for everybody, including Conan, I'm sure, you know. I like, uh, what, which did you prefer, Liam? Was it the, the league in 2013 or the cup in 2014? What was your favourite one out of those two? I loved them both. It's the actual merits of winning, Colin, as you well know, you know the kind of way. It's the buzz you get around winning and it's a, around the achievement of winning and it's about having a community of guys here uh, you know, part you might have your twenty odd players and your staff and your 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 fellas in the club and all that. It just means so much to everybody there. So you can't buy success, you know, kind of way. And I I never pick one over the other. Like I've had success in bits and pieces, but uh, you know, and all those occasions there, they're all memorable. They all stick in my mind. I can I can remember actually. I'm, I'm nearly sure it was you that picked up the ball in front of me here in the dugout uh, in Tala for the Sporting Fingal cross for Gary O'Neill to get the winner. Was it you that crossed it in for Gary O'Neill to get the winner? The header, can you remember? No, that, that was Bocker. Bocker Bailey got yeah. the ball in. Yeah, sorry, I beg your pardon. I'm just yeah. picturing the goal there when Gary O'Neill scored a fantastic winner to, to get that. Like we were one yeah. nil down with 10 minutes to go in that game and we we pulled it out of the half. But uh, all those occasions, Conan, uh, League or Cup, uh, they were all very memorable, especially with the Paps scenario as well. It was really, really very enjoyable. I suppose, Liam, if you have one regret, um, it was that you weren't able to drag Conan up the road uh, to Sligo with you. Yeah, it's unfortunate that he got older um, <laughs> and he's now at a stage now where he, uh, he he's retiring or whatever. But again, I have to say, uh, I would regret, even when I'm talking to my players now, I would reference Conan in bits and pieces and, you know, how he tailored his game around his abilities. He was the best crosser of ball in the league in his time, you know, kind of way. He could do it from a standing position. He could just look at you, just touch it to the right, and he'd whip a ball in. You can ask Christy Fagan, any of the uh, players that we had that scored goals off him. Uh, he was easy to read from our end of it because he didn't overcomplicate things. If you knew he was in a position to cross it, he crossed it. But apart from that, his delivery was fantastic as well, you know, kind of way. Like I've often said to my forwards, I said, for, for God's sake, I'd score 20 goals with Conlon playing, you know, the kind of way, uh, you know, uh, every week, you know, the kind of way, because he did put in his quota across every week. Um, and equally, his goal scoring abilities uh, needs to be reflected on as well. And he clevered that up in that he just got in the box when the ball's on the far side. We had him getting in the box. And I don't know how many times he got in the box and scored goals from, from you know, our other side. Uh, but uh, all round, great, great football, great fitness, uh, great ability. Um, and come from good stuff with Kay and Aidan as, as, as mother and father, great people as well. Um, I do remember an occasion um, uh, when Aidan was at the Rovers game up in Tala and uh, he sent a text to Kay because Kay couldn't make that particular game. They nobody to make them all and the text was sort of Conan Bourne won Shamrock Rovers nil. And then he sent a text, uh, Conan Bourne two, 
Conan two, Shamrock Rovers nil. <laughs> Conan three, Shamrock Rovers nil. Conan four, Shamrock Rovers nil. And in case in the bag of faces, anybody else playing but Conan? <laughs> but, uh, it was uh, a great, a great occasion. I have to say up there as well. Uh, there won't be too many players uh, will score four goals against Shamrock Rovers up in Tala. Uh, if if ever, I don't know. Yeah. That might be a record in itself. You know the kind of way. But what a, what a, what a special occasion was. Uh, for Conan that night as well, you know. I'm sure it is a record, and I'm sure. Go ahead, Conan. I remember afterwards you 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 pulled me aside and you're saying, Conan, I don't, I didn't, I wanted to take you off and uh, to give you a little bit of an ovation, but yeah. I wanted you to score five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. I actually shouted out you at one stage in that game. Get go look out a fifth. But uh, it wasn't to be. Wouldn't be. I was happy before. Four wasn't bad at all. And and listen, yeah. Liam, you've you've as, you know you've been such an influence on Conan's career throughout, and now here he is uh, on the door of retirement. If you were to give him a piece of advice now, as a player who's you know hanging up his boots for the last time, what would it be? Oh, uh, it would be as professional in his new line of business, i.e. in the media, which he's fantastic at, uh, as professional in that as he has been as pro- in his football career. Uh, like, as I say, I couldn't, there wasn't one area that I'd give out to him about, you know, kind of, he looked after himself up on the pitch, whether it was hydration, whether it was uh, energy-wise, food-wise, weight-wise, body fat-wise, you across the board, he was banging the bone. Uh, I, I, I never had to worry about him. Fitness-wise, there wasn't a fair fella in the league, you know, the kind of way. Could I rely on, on, on this game when he was playing? Yes, I could. That's why he played every game for me. Um, that's what he had the success that he had. Uh, he was he was a top professional. Moving into the media now, I have no doubt he'd be as professional in that as he is as he was with the football. So, um, and I wish him every success in that too. And I know Colin? he's a school teacher as well, and I've no doubt he's a as a fantastic teacher because he's a, he's just a genuinely nice, good guy. You know the kind of way uh, he'll do you a good turn before you do a bad turn. That's for sure. Uh, so I'm sure I'm sure all the kids in school would appreciate him and his his style and his the way he talks and all that, um, and his media skills as well. Like I, I'm looking forward to seeing him over the next sort of ten and fifteen years, uh, developing his own career in that as well. Conan, have you any last words for Liam? Thank you. Um, I think that sums it up uh, because of I, I, you gave me the opportunity, I suppose, at, at Fingal. Um, you sold the club to me. At the time, I went to Fingal when we were in the A Championship, if, if you remember. So I was dropping down That's two right. divisions. But yeah. at the same time, I saw that as soon as like he, he, Liam signed me in my sitting room. And um, yeah. I don't know if I've ever told this story, actually. I asked Liam if he wanted a cup of tea. But before he came to the house, I strategically put up a couple of trophies in the rooms that I knew that he'd be looking at. Before. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> or he actually uh, signed me. So um, yeah. that I think that worked out pretty well. But um, no, just thanks for giving me the the opportunity and um, at the at the clubs that 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 I played under you with. And um, yeah, it was absolutely lifelong memories with you as uh, at the top of the pile. Appreciate that, Conan, and yeah, you're more than welcome. It was my pleasure, and I was delighted to work with you, and I'm sure I will over the next few years or whatever. Absolutely. Well, listen, um, Liam, thanks a million for uh, coming on and having a, a chat with us today. Really appreciate it, and, and the very best of luck to Sligo Rovers for the rest of the season as well. Thanks a lot, Conan. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, joining us on the line now is a real super saint, a great supporter of St. Patrick's Athletic, a great volunteer at the club as well. Pat O'Callaghan, great to have you on the podcast with us uh, today, Pat. Thanks a million for uh, joining us. Thank you very much, Con. Thank you. And I suppose the first thing I have to ask you, Pat, is when you think of Conan Byrne, what are the first things that come into your mind? Uh, 
professionalism, dignity, quality, gifted, and just a, a, a super person to have around any organization, but within this specifically here, around the football club who represented the club, and you'd feel proud. I feel pride in being a St. Pat supporter, knowing that there's um, Conan Bourne would be with the club. And uh, needless to say, I was very disappointed that he moved on. But that's the nature of the game. I wish him all the best. But no, really first class person. And, you know, you could go, as they, my mother used to say, you could take him anywhere, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Conan, when you hear those kind of words from uh, Pat, it must be very special. Absolutely, because Pat being such a great supporter of, of the club, um, I'm sure there's been hundreds of players, possibly thousands, that have passed through the doors of, in, of Emmett Road in Inchicore. Um, and for hear, for, to hear those words from Pat is, is a privilege. But um, it, it kind of it, it, the same could be said for, um, with my words for Pat, because Pat is, um, is a superstar in my eyes or in in terms of everything i remember i brought um a school group to inchicore my my in obviously as a teacher in rush and i brought um a sixth class over on a on a tour of the of the richmond barracks and also we went into um st pat's for a little kick around after and pat was at a funeral across the road at the time um but popped in to have a look at his shop and the program and he took the time out of his day to to talk to the children in my uh, in my class about the history of Pat's, what it means to uh, what Pat's means to him, and f- even that just speaks volumes of, of of the man that he is as well. He's he's revered around, um, not just in in supporters of St Pat's, but throughout the League of Ireland with the the amount of work that he does for volunt- voluntarily, shall I add, um, for the club in Injacore. So, um, absolutely privileged to be speaking to him, and it's been a long time since I've seen him. Thank you very much indeed, Colin. It's uh, really, uh, it's great. And that's what football is and being involved with the club. You meet all sorts of people and people like yourself who stand out and really we never forget them. You know, we would never forget you, your qualities as a player, as a person, and as a representative of the club because it's, you're in the, an ambassador really is what and people are looking for things to pin on people you know or find faults and so on but they have to be very searching very deeply to find anything that you wouldn't represent as good for a club good for the league and good for the country i mean that most sincerely now it's very thanks a million pat jesus yeah well it has to be said i i believe in compliments when they are deserved um, and it has to be said about that. And uh, football is a critical in terms of a lot of critics and self-made critics and self-opinionated people and twisted views and sometimes and maybe views biased naturally in favour of their own club or something. And but um, the truth has to be said. And this is an opportunity to say it from my point of view, certainly anyway. But I mean it. Pat, how long have you been following the Super Saints? Well, following them um, since about 1976. 
um, my initial involvement with them was as a 17-year-old when Palomino, we lived in Marino, and um, as 17-year-olds, uh, we were playing football around the place, and my friend played, strangely, for Chapel Lizard, a young schoolboy team, and um, Pats were involved with Chapel Lizard. They played in the ground out there for a time, but he came to me one day and said, look, Pats are looking for players for their under-18 team. Would you, would you come over? So we went over and we played a trial match. And Mr. Murray, I recall, signed both of us for the, the team. Oh, God, that's fantastic. So on the way back home, Noel, my friend, said, I'm not going back there. He says, I'm going to be overage. Because to my knowledge, it, this was 1957-58 season. And one had to be under 18 on the 1st of January 1958 to play in that season. Yeah. And he would have been 18 in the December of 1957. Now, my birthday wasn't until March 1958. So I was, I said, well, I won't go back there myself then. So we didn't. And then move on to 1976. And we were living, my wife and I and our family were living in Clondalkin. And uh, we said we'd move, wanted to move house. And we saw a house in Clondalkin down in a place called Newlands Drive. And who opened the door but i can't remember his name now god he played for west ham the manager of the oh, barry bridges. Oh, barry bridges no he followed barry bridges he came after john cole rain um oh god a lovely man uh, he was moving to south end and uh his time was up and so we bought that house and when i put all the pieces together there were a few little pages or maybe programs or team sheets or something in around the house after he got and I said to my son who was seven I said you know this club is calling me back to it here we are living in its district go back to 1957-58 and uh, I said I think I'd like to come down we could start going to the game so we did and then Andrew himself then became chairman in 2002 so that's how that's how my history is is with it you know mm -hmm. and uh I'm sold to it now for the rest of my life. Um, when you think back to 1958, Pat, do, is there a tinge of regret that you made that decision not to go down because your friend wasn't joining up with you? Well, yeah, but it, regret probably would be too strong a word. I, I, I re reflect on it and I wonder what would happen. But I don't um, believe in, in life anyway as regretting anything because one never knows what the, the one turn would have taken I, I, I mightn't have met my wife, I wouldn't have had my family, and so on. I always think of that great film, Sliding Doors, uh, which reflected just a few seconds and the, uh, something happened and uh, changed the lives of people. And that's what happens, and we've no control over that. So I don't, there's no point in, I just look back, I've had a very lucky life, uh, fortunate, lovely family, and moderately good health up to now anyway and um so and then the interests i was in the music business i was in the um with my work and so on i was lucky and all of that so no regrets mm -hmm. at all and so i wouldn't consider that a regret i'd consider a lovely memory to say well at least gosh they they mr murray signed us which was great so it's a positive when did uh, when did you start working 
in the pro in in the programs in the shop, Pat. But did, did that come soon after you went brought Andrew to the first yeah, game? Yeah. Um. Well, when I when I was living in Marino, we used to follow drums, and uh, we'd get the program three pence, three three old pence, and um, I, you know I, I always had an interest in kind of keeping records and looking back and being able for not for my own sake particularly but for posterity maybe to move it on because if it's not written down somewhere it'll just people naturally forget it and, and the person will be forgotten and the incident will be forgotten um so that, that was it now that can, can get out of hand then and then some of the local people I knew then in the football world um started a football program collectors club and uh, I was part of that. And uh, of course, the programs just mount and mount and mount until I have a room full of them. And then even up in the shop in, in, in Pats now, people are coming and say, God, no, I'm a, an attic full of programs. What will I do with them? Can I bring them in? Of course, you can bring them in and then we'll sell them off here, help the club. So um, that's how I became involved, really. And, uh, you know, I just I was a football fan all my life, really, you know, and just love the game and love watching it, love everything about it, really. How difficult was it through the through the pandemic path of um of not going to the games? Ah, uh, very. Yes, yeah, it's, it's very difficult. All right, and wondering now. The watch LOI was great, um, and we I watched the games, but um, I missed the camaraderie. Although I have to say, on a personal level. Um, my wife is is not too well, and it 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 was as well. I was at home for all that time, really, and uh, you know because I wouldn't. I I I'd have to be compromised. I've told the club that my time will be compromised. You know, I, I don't think there'll be any going up to Donegal or down to Galway or whatever Cork in the away games, but. Um, that's just on a personal level now. So it will be restricted and it may have an effect on the my involvement even at the home games. But that being that, you know, we'll we'll deal with it as it as it comes along, you know. Um Pat, when you think of the um, great players at Pat's down through the years, apart from Conan, are there one or two others who stand out for you? Yeah. Well, I suppose like many others, I suppose, um, in the 50s when I used to be following uh, drums but Tommy Dunn and Shea Gibbons would be prominent in the Pats teams there and they, what they achieved in the 50s was extraordinary for the club just first time into the league they won it and that so on and um, then going up along the, the times um, who let me think now going back um into the when I started following them, God, I can't remember the names now off the top of my head, but I was looking up some programs, and you know, even in the 90s with, with Liam Buckley himself, there was an outstanding, another great person for football, dignified and professional, and um, a great player. And uh, then the modern era, Conan, of course, you know, and Paul McGrath, of course, back in 1982-83, um, when he was outstanding, really, and so assured and so on, and he had a great career after that. Um, 
could you tell straight away when you saw Paul playing as a young fellow at St. Pat's that this guy is a bit special? Well, he was. He was a bit special. And everybody could see it, really. Yeah. He was just so dominant and self-assured and everything. He was terrific player and quality, you know, and passing and everything. Terrific and great to be associated with him for him to move on to Manchester United then and had a lovely, terrific career. He's very highly thought of, all right. He would be an outstanding player. Um, but again, as I refer even back to the Shea Gibbons and Tommy Dunn and all the people of that era, uh, Longo White and men, most of whom have passed on now. But it was a very good side too. Um, St. Pat's and they would they established themselves very quickly in the league um, and have always I think in fairness to the St. Pat's not because I'm a supporter of theirs every person would say the same about their own club but they are I think well respected and have a reputation of um, you know, up to the time when we had that debacle about the, the points deduction back in uh, when we Paul Marnie lost was the league, you know, yeah, over Paul Marnie, yeah, and um, one other, but anyway, we deducted, I think, five, nine points and then 15. So we still finished up, I think, second in the league uh, or third at the time. So it was still pretty good. So they've always, I think, um, been a, you know, outstanding players. And then the modern players, some of whom are terrific, including Conan and, um, you know, others who have, we won't mention names necessarily, but, you know, they've moved on to other clubs, but they gave a great contribution to the, the club, um, mm -hmm. both in defence and all uh, parts of the, all positions, really. You know, we've had outstanding Christy Fagan, who was a great player as well. And, um, you know, and through now from the era of Conan and Christy and a few others, Jerry uh, O'Brien and others, and we have achieved a lot there in winning. I think I was just trying to think along the line was Conan. You, you I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you probably have won the league, the cup, uh, Leinster Cup, um, league cups, Presidents Cups. And we did that in, in a two or three, four year season there between 2013 and 2016. And, um, and it was terrific. Great. And that was, you know, Liam Buckley's stewardship. And, uh, other great managers too, right along the line, have kept the club, I think, in a reasonably respectable position um, and fought their way out in difficult situations in uh, against relegation too um, for a couple of years there, I think in the 80s or 90s, I'm not sure. Um, we were, well, in the 80s, we certainly were struggling against relegation. Um, although that would not, that, 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 there was, no, that must have been later. Sorry, anyway, I'm just getting a bit confused on that one, but there was a time when we really had to fight our way out um, from the bottom three, and they did, so it was great. What does 2014 mean to you, Pat, in terms of the FAI Cup success and going 53 years with it? The Cup, yeah, 63 years, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it became a little, you know, like something... Uh, a weight on the shoulders of people and um, it just came up every year and they went close a few times you know and um, in those 63 years but for it, it was just a relief to win the cup um, it, it, it completed if you like the set 
so to speak, um, that, well, at least we've done it. And um, for the players in, the, in that team, it must have been a terrific feeling to have been the ones who did it. And you've all deserved every praise you got for doing it. It was terrific. And, uh, you know, we had a couple of good runs. I don't know, I mean, six or seven times, I think, we had been in the Cup since. Uh, and, um, you know, against Derry on a freezing day, uh, um, they scored an extra time. And uh, oh, it was really um, disappointment all along. But And then losing to Shells in, in the replay in, in, in Daly Mount. Um, but that's football, and you, you have to take it the good. You see, the way I look at it, too, is there are thousands of players who never get to play in a cup final. And so our supporters who, whose team never gets to the cup final, even to, if you lose it. But um, it's, it's the achievement and the uh, just almost, almost fulfillment. And it's, you know, it's, it's, if you're knocked out in the first round, okay. But if you're knocked out in the second round, at least you've got through one round and so on. And I think if you look at it like that incrementally sort of thing, you have to count the blessings and count the good times, that the good feelings, because unless a football supporter realises that there's going to be disappointment and anxiety and so on, as well as enjoyment and fulfilment, they're fooling themselves. And uh, it'll happen to every club, even Manchester United were relegated, you know, so <laughs> to use it, you know. I suppose that's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah, the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows. And... Well, it is, yeah. It, it, almost a reflection of life itself, mm. I think, Con, and, um, that if you can, if one can, circumstances do alter events for people, of course, on, out of their control. But um, such as, for instance, Conan leaving the club, that was out of our control too, my control anyway, and I could... Was out of mine as well, Pat. All I could do was wishing, <laughs> wishing he was back. <laughs> well, the good news, Pat, is that at least he will be back because he'll probably be sitting beside you in the stand watching the matches as a, as a Pat's fan into the, the future. Well, I hope so. Absolutely. And you'd be more than welcome. Thank you, Pat. And it'd be great. And I tell you, I just took the opportunity when Andrew rang me here this afternoon. I looked back on some programs, you know, and we had um, run a feature recently, well, in the recent years, um, about some a fan's favourite team made up of uh, any time that they were the, through all the eras that they they supported the club. And Conan Bourne's name comes up invariably on most of them. And yeah, he's always he's there in the majority of times. It'll be Conan Bourne. I even saw him playing it outside left. Somebody had just an outside, you know, a left winger. Yeah. And the two outstanding, I think I, I mentioned these, I'm not sure, but the two outstanding, and for many people, this is the same uh, features of your time with us, um, above many outstanding features was the goal you scored against Bohemians uh, from inside the halfway line. And that was on my birthday, oh, believe it or not. Yeah. It was my birthday that no day. Way. I said, oh, it's just, yeah. What a present. And, yeah, it's fantastic. And then the four goals against Rovers, of course, which was like 
you know, icing on a cake. It was really uh, terrific. And, and the, moments like that, you never forget. You know, I, I remember watching that go and the ball coming out here and you capped it and, and loved it. It was fantastic. You know, that, that was the only day I was ever happy not to be at Tala Stadium. I was working somewhere else that day and uh, <laughs> I, I missed that four goals. But listen, uh, Pat, you're a great fan. Conan has been a great servant to, well, all his clubs, I suppose, but but particularly um, St. Pat's. And uh, I'm sure, as you say, he'll be a, a welcome visitor to Inchicore anytime from now on. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah, you'd be greeted with open arms and there'd be loads of people who would be very happy to see you there and welcome you with open arms. And But no matter which club, in Shelburne are lucky to have you and have been and all anywhere you go, you would be so such a good ambassador for any club. And I'm sure that your pupils even in school would have high, high, high regard for you as a professional teacher too. I've no doubt about that. Thanks, Pat. Listen, that's great, Pat. Thank you so much for for coming on and sharing those memories uh, with us. Really appreciate it. And the very best of luck to to you you. and and, and best wishes to your wife as well. And hopefully we'll all see you in in Shakur very shortly. I hope so, Con. It's lovely to see you too. And Con, very best of luck. God bless you both. And we'll meet up again soon, I hope. Well, joining us on the line now is RTE commentator and producer Adrian Eames, who's also Sligo born and bred. And I suppose, um, Adrian, when you think of um, Conan Byrne, maybe one of your first thoughts might be back to the 2009 FAI Brr, Cup final at Tallis yeah, Stadium. Yeah, what a day that was. What a day that was. <laughs> well, actually, it was a great day in terms of the occasion, but obviously uh, the outcome for Sligo Rovers followers was, was hugely disappointing. I think we were well fancied to win. And obviously, Sporting Fingal got there in the end. What what stands out from that day was the absolute cold. It was absolutely freezing. It's my abiding memory because I wasn't working or involved in the match on the day. So I was there as a spectator. And it was in the, the, the stand opposite the main stand where, where the TV gantry is now. A few rows down to the left-hand side. And it was absolutely freezing. It was the longest night. We, in a way, we were relieved it didn't go to extra time because it was so cold. But look, hey, hats off to Conor and the lads. It was Paul Cook's team. They were just beginning to, to bubble up very nicely at the time. We really fancied our chances to the extent, Con and Conan, that they had a night planned in the Red Cow Inn on the night of the, the cup final. And it was whatever it was, 40 euro, whatever you give yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. It wasn't quite the do. open top bus, but we, we 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 had booked in, and there was entertainment planned or whatever, and it was just the longest night, the longest. Night. Now, obviously, the, the longer the night went on, you know, the shorter it got as well. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it was a it was a tough, and obviously, Owen Doyle gave us the lead in that game, um, the equalising goal or oh, penalty, wasn't it? Collie James, yeah, 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 and then Gary O'Neill with the winner. But, uh, but I don't really remember Conan Byrne being a big influence in the game. Yeah, yeah. Eamon's Did, did Conan really, you know, did you come on as a sub? I don't really remember you that day. <laughs> Adrian, all that matters is that I have an FAI Cup winner's medal from 2009. I think that's the most important thing. <laughs> I th- do you know what? I think I was covering that game for RT Radio that afternoon. And... I, the, again, my abiding memory. Well, I have a couple of abiding memories from the day. One was the. You're absolutely right, Adrian. The cold was. It was a late November cup final. Like it was the 22nd or the 23rd or something in November. It was Baltic. I remember being freezing. Um, I remember that the uh, Sporting Fingal mascot 
got sent off or got into trouble with the referee because he was catching the eye line of the uh, linesman on the far side. I don't know if you remember that, Conan, do you? No. You were probably he, so focused fairness, on the game, that, you wouldn't have Freddie the Fox, that's what the mascot name. He got sent off <laughs> numerous <laughs> times throughout that season. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it was a great comeback. 1-0 down with five minutes to go. I, I, I actually can't remember the penalty incident that led to... Yeah, Kieran Kelly came out. It was a ball over the top, wasn't it? Kieran Kelly came out and... Now, they, they debated about it afterwards in, in Sligo. Was it a penalty? Was it not? Look at its immaterial now. As Conan said, he has his medal, and rightly so. Um, and I tell you what, what, what a winning goal from Gary O'Neill. What a winning goal to, to win a cup final. Yeah. We just saw on the red cow then that night. And just like on, on Gary O'Neill as well, because I remember we were um, we were on the bus on the way back to um, Malahide, actually, for our after, par- our after party. And Gary O'Neill was on the bus on the way back, and I was sta- I was chatting to him afterwards, and he was saying that he was kind of the player that the nearly man. He was um, he was the, p- the person who assisted the goals for Mark Quigley during St Pat's run in Europe that that time in two thousand and eight, I think it was. Um, then he was the he assisted Jason Bourne and Glenn Crow at Shelburne, so he was kind of like the person that wasn't was never in the limelight, but he did so much for the team. And every team that he played with, everyone talks about Gary O'Neill as being the, the, the main link-up player. So on the bus, on the way ba- on the way back to Malahide, he really enjoyed being in the limelight for the first time. And um, yeah, it was really nice to 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 be a part of that and hear his his story from and being talked about. And he was just he was over the moon, obviously, like like everybody else was. And I suppose if you're going to score a winner in the cup final to score it with, you know, not quite the last kick of the game, but right at the death, you know, it's a great time to to get it. And uh, it was a very special time for Sporting Fingal. For Sligo Rovers, of course, they had plenty of good days in the FAI Cup after that anyway, uh, Adrian. So I suppose you can't complain. Oh, the next the next year was great, wasn't it? Yeah, it, that wasn't bad, though, the next year. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've forgotten about that already. That one, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And obviously, yeah, Shamrock Rovers and Shelburne had drawed those cup successes. But just go back to, to, to the Red Cow that night. I have two memories from the night, obviously, because uh, let's say people were enjoying themselves, inverted commas, they weren't really. But I do remember at one point walking down the corridor and who was coming in the opposite direction, only Owen Doyle. Owen was at such a terrific season with Bolton. And I just said to him, because it was genuine, I just said, well done today, you know. But, you know, well done. I meant it as in, you know, um, you gave it a good shot or whatever. And just the look of crushing disappointment on his face. He just shook his head and he just put his eyes down to the ground and continued shaking his head as he walked past. And he just said much or something like, thanks, pal, or whatever it was. And the other memory for the night <laughs> is outside the main bar, Paul Cook had arrived down from, from his room. And he says, and he said, because I can't do a scouse accent, but he says, right, I'm going to be the last man out of here in the morning. And he was. Apparently he left around half six or seven o'clock in the morning. So there you go. <laughs> you, you were probably later, Conan, but anyway. <laughs> earlier I actually wasn't I Conan's was, a good boy no I was home and all believe it or not at, I was home at half 12 that night because I was up at 6 o'clock in the morning to head to Zambia the next morning the next the day after the, uh, the book final yeah and just on the point about um, Zambia actually because I recall Conan interviewing you a few days before the cup final and it had just emerged as we're heading to Zambia and it was out in Bray you had played Bray at the Carlisle grounds um, I have a funny feeling it was like a midweek game it just it just felt like a midweek game but maybe it was the weekend before and you were saying that you are going to Zambia and you were talking about it and you were more animated about Zambia and the work that you're going to be doing almost than talking about the cup final now maybe that was just because you wanted to to play down the cup final and not you know give Kuki something to hang up in the, the dressing room wall but I was very impressed by it and obviously in the last year or so 
the work you've done in terms of fundraising and bringing attention to issues has been fabulous. But even way back then, you were doing it. So fair play. Oh, thanks very much. Yeah, because I remember when I was speaking to to Bucco, because obviously I was in the board meetings because I was in the um, I was at the time as community development manager. And when I first brought the idea of Zambia to the board, they kind of just all laughed at me. They were like, why would you do something like that? Um, and at the time, they were finding it very, very difficult to get into schools. And um, I suppose just being just out of college and seeing the, the work that, that you're being taught as a college student, that um, you, you, are, you bring new ideas to the table. So I was doing it for, there was a personal reason behind going to Zambia because I'd refu- not refused to go. I'd um, rejected a place on my secondary school um, to pursue a career in, at Millwall because um, I was going on trial over there. And I vowed to myself that I ever, if I ever got the opportunity to go, to go, I'd go to the that exact place that I was meant to go. Um, so then, when I became the community development manager at Fingal, I was like, "Well, I can do what I was meant to do with um, my with the school that I was in in Art School Reach in Griffith Avenue, with two schools." So I was able to bring, um, I think I, overall, I think there was around sixteen to eighteen children has been brought to Zambia um, over two trips. Um, over a hundred thousand euro raise. So, um, yeah, that was that's been really, really good, and and delighted with that. And then, yeah, I think from that, I just seen the, the 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 amount of help and support that you that we get in the League of Ireland from the supporters, the media is is absolutely huge, but the players as well. They has been incredible. Um, and I am believe it or not, I am planning something in my uh in the near future on kind of like a a retirement um fundraiser um but i'm sure we'll we'll talk about that at another stage but because i still have to kind of organize it and get my head around it but um it'll be a national one more so than a dublin one that i did this year so yeah uh, he'd be nagging you for an interview adrian to publicize it when that comes around you could be sure of that <laughs> no problem no uh, just problem. one thing before we let you go adrian um as a commentator, you've probably done a few Conan uh, matches. You weren't doing the the one where he scored from the halfway line uh, against Bowes, were you? No, but I was there. Funnily enough, I was there. I was in the main stand that night. Just just as a spectator, I just went along to watch the game. What a moment. What a moment. I mean, I, I do recall tweeting about it because it was one of those I was there moments. And obviously, I've watched the, the reruns. And uh, Conan, I think, might have mentioned it a couple of times as well over the years. Once or twice, Adrian. I don't like putting it out there too much. (laughs) Well, what I loved about it was the fact that it hit the net. You know, it it didn't just bounce over the goalkeeper. It hit the net and and the look up beforehand. It wasn't just a, you know, a Hail Mary. It was, it was, it was brilliant. And again, it was another one of those, I was there moments. Yeah, although he, he definitely has to work on the goal celebration. Oh, yes. because, uh, it. I ruined it. That, that, it really did. It, it was uh, very, very uh, amateur, the, the slide and uh, getting your knees stuck in the ground. And listen, um, he'd probably be a partner of yours in the commentary box in the not too distant future as well, Adrian. Um, so we haven't seen the or heard the end of uh, Conan Byrne, that's for sure. But does not appreciate you uh, coming on? And, and I know it's been painful for you to remember the 2009 cup final but uh, do really appreciate it not at all and, and listen conan obviously as con says we won't, we haven't heard the last of you so look a well done and everything all, down through the years all the success but of course obviously as well the off the pitch ventures that you got involved in raising awareness on so many issues you know fair play thanks for being here thank you
Well, Conan, before we talk about the First Division and before we talk about the um, Euros, uh, which are, you know, just getting underway this weekend, um, it must be a bit weird, is it, when when you hear so many people saying nice things like that about you? I'm not used to it, Conan. Be honest, like, I've been in a dress room where I get absolutely slaughtered every single day. So when you hear people say say nice things, it's not it doesn't make me feel comfortable at all. <laughs> but obviously, it's really nice. And um, obviously, I thank you and... And League of Ireland Arena and Pundit Arena for putting it together. Um, re- I really appreciate it. So thank you. Um, yeah, well, I- I'm sure there's a lot of um, fans of a lot of clubs down through the years who'd be thanking you as well for your service to not only the clubs you played for, but for the league in general. And indeed, uh, a couple of the lads mentioned the charity work and everything. Is a, and and I know there'll be there'll be more of that to come as well. So um, congratulations on a bloody great career you know and and a lot of medals and trophies and stuff so thanks now man. you have to do it again with the river valley rangers yes absolutely we won the double the last time i was there so uh, who knows might do it again <laughs> <laughs> the treble maybe yes um, why not listen uh, let's have a look at the uh, first division one of your old clubs shells uh, we heard brendan earlier on talking about that 4-1 win at uh, bray really comprehensive three penalties in that match by the way and uh, michael o'connor got the first one uh, ryan brennan scored the second penalty for Shells and in between Connor Clifford got a penalty for uh, Bray as well. Another two goals for Ryan Brennan. So um, he's joined top scorer in the league now, Colin Whelan, nine goals from, uh, is it 11 matches played? It's an unbelievable um, record, but they are kind of running away with it a bit, aren't they? They are. And look, we, we, I, we expected this. Well, I expected this anyway. I don't know whether you did or not uh, as well, um, that they would run away with it because they do have a Premier Division squad. And if, I think that if you're a Premier Division team and you get shells in the cup, you'd be worried about that game because they do have a very, very good squad. Um, like even their bench, like they had Michael Barker on the bench the other the other day as well. Um, Glenn McCauley. So they've they've these type of players that can come on and and change games as well, you know. So um yeah, I think they're they're where they should be. Um, but having said that, they still have to um be very professional in the performances. As Brennan said, they're there to be to be shot at. Um, and nobody has kind of got within a whimper yet. They haven't. They remain undefeated. And um, yeah, all credit to to uh, to the management team there as well because they've after the the really disappointment of relegation last year, a lot of people were were saying about the manager whether or not he still should be at the club. Um, but he signed really really well. Got a good assistant manager in and Alan Reynolds, um, and brought in some very good players. And even the 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 way he went after Brendan Clark, like he. Had, as a first division club to, to even think of doing that um, shows shows great management. So yeah, full full credit to them. And their nearest challengers, UCD, uh, beaten at home against Cove. Another two goals there for Jake Hegarty, who um, scored recently as well. Colm Whelan from the penalty spot for UCD. That's a great win for Cove away from home. And it moves them above Cork City in the table, um, which is something. Uh, Galway, uh, another late goal for Galway injury time there from Porrick Cunningham to beat Athlone 2-1. Cabantili won 2-0 against Cork City. Again, it was great to see the crowds coming into Turner's Cross, but they'll have been disappointed with that result. Uh, Vilius Labutis and uh, Jordan Payne, the two scorers for Cabantili. And then Wexford, they scored after two minutes through Kyle Robinson, but ended up losing uh, 2-1 to Treaty United. Anthony O'Donnell and Jack Lynch on the score sheet for Treaty. But again, just a sign maybe that Wexford are becoming more competitive anyway. I know they are still bottom of the table. They're only on three points, but it just seems to be settling down a bit there. Yeah, they're like I know 
of the first number of games, they were only defeated by a goal or two. Anyway, it was they got defeated really badly, five 0 by um I can't remember who bet them five Cork, wasn't it? Bet them five 0 Um but yeah, it's they are going to be competitive. There's no doubt, doubt about it. As I said, I've talked about it enough times over the last number of weeks. Um, but like we talked about Shabber and how professional they are in the performances, but the Chase and Packer aren't, aren't giving themselves much of a much of a chance. UCD getting beaten at home by Cove, Athlone five defeats in a row now, getting beaten two late goals. Rory Keaton and Porter Cunningham, even though I think Porter Cunningham's con that looked like an OG to me. Um, in the when, when I saw it, but look, great win, another injury time goal, two late goals again by Galway. It's an incredible stat that they have. I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago as well. Cabantini going down to Cork as well. I don't even think that's a surprise anymore, being totally honest. Um, Cork are, are really, really struggling. Um, there's no, prof- there's, there's, Colin Healy was very critical of his players after the game, and rightly so, that they, they need to step up. Con and um, they've got good experienced players there, the likes of Gerald Morrissey and Mark McNulty, Stephen Beatty as well that came home from America. And um, they just they need to get to get together and, and and work things out very very quickly. So yeah, Shelburne are, are look their streets ahead. We we, we not we, we thought that whether this will the break gave Galway a little bit of a lift. It certainly should give them a lift now. The, the fact that they're getting two late goals coming back to be at loan. Still, way a long way off. Obviously, they're they're, they're on sixteen points. They're they're, they're only three off second place, though. You know, absolutely, yeah. And you'd never think that, considering the start they had, they were really, really poor. Yeah. It just goes to show that it, that how how unpredictable this league is. And um, if you're a betting man, Con, you wouldn't be betting on, on either the Premier Division or the First Division. You'd be a you'd be you'd be losing a lot of money, I'd say. Yeah, well, I would have backed shells to win the league, though, so maybe I'd be uh, <laughs> getting ready to count my money on that. But uh, shells, shells have work to do, as you say. But I mean, that's a great advantage to have. Uh, next week, shells away to Wexford, Bray are at home to UCD, Galway are at home to Cavantili, Athlone are at home to Cork, and on Saturday, Cove take on Treaty. Uh, the one other thing I wanted to talk to you about, Conan, um, this weekend we saw. Uh, the incident with Christian Eriksen in the Parkin Stadium in Copenhagen, and it's it was really really shocking looking at it live. Um, and thankfully, uh, it looks as if the medical treatment that he received basically saved his life, and and he's he's going to make a recovery, which is brilliant news. But um, it was t- hard to watch. I must say, I, I, I don't know. Were you were you ever on a football field where somebody you know had an incident like that? No, thankfully no. It was um, so rare, I suppose. Yeah, it was very distressing um, to watch. I definitely would have felt that we didn't need to see what we saw. First and foremost, mm-hmm. I w- I kept watching though because I wanted to see something, some sign of life from Christian Eriksen. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the camera went in and saw his eyes open, um, mm-hmm. with no sign of life in them, it really, really that was the bit that really got me. Um, yeah. but then the, the the real team spirit and the, like that really came out in the Danish players, um, Casper Schmeichel and Simon Kjær really yeah. epitomizes what team spirit and is all about, um, and looking after one of your own, um, having then, the presence of mind to sort of stand between where the cameras were and and where the treatment was was being uh, given. I, I thought it was a, an amazing show of strength and camaraderie you know yeah with them all crying their eyes out at the same time yeah. they were just protecting yeah. their teammate and it was just it was just incredible that they had to do that though con that was they didn't like they're they're trying to protect their player from the world yet 
the, the video like the, the cameras are still trying to get in and, and invade this the, the mm-hmm. invade this space and like i know yeah, I, I, a lot of people were very critical of the television coverage of it and the only thing i would say in and i'm not defending it but the only thing i would say is that the director of the match on the day when a player goes over like that the instant reaction will be to go in on a yeah. close-up if if somebody goes in. now Pretty quickly, you could see from the way the players reacted that, you know, this was a serious situation. Yeah. I think where they fell down in their coverage was when, you know, the players were standing there to block the view and you could see that resuscitation mm-hmm. attempts were being made and they were doing the compressions on the chest and stuff like and the that. Shock. At that point, you know, you go onto a wide of the stadium or whatever and 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 hold it on the, the wide shot. Um going in for a close-up at that point was that was where they crossed the line i think yeah uh, absolutely and yeah. i think lessons will be learned there because i mean a lot of people were making the point that if a streaker came onto the pitch mm-hmm. the protocol now is you, the camera turns away um yeah. so i think they might have to put in a protocol like that in future um because i'm not sure if there is one there at the moment uh, it's such a rare occurrence as you say you know um, yeah. i was just and then also yeah. like if like euro 2020 you can like as children as a child i can remember like euro 92 vaguely euro 88 not really um euro 96 was big for me i watched every single game mm-hmm. sticker albums fascinated obsessed mm-hmm. with with the world cups and europe european competitions imagine a child watching that kind yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, That's it's, yeah. it's 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 not for child. It certainly wasn't like look how we we were affected as adults. Yeah, Imagine how yeah. the children were affected. It's 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 just oh, it was terrible, really, really bad. Yeah. So yeah. Um, look, it looks good. He was obviously it's by all accounts he was talking to his teammates from the, from his hospital bed. So that which is great. Yeah. Um, yeah. So please God, it's, it's all fingers good. crossed. But it is a terrible. I remember being in Seville a few years ago, and they had a. One of their players, um, Antonio Puerta, died uh, in a similar incident and there was a shrine to him outside the stadium. It hadn't happened that long before I was there. And it was, a, again, a very grim reminder of, you know, uh, how fragile the whole thing is. And, and, and uh, recently I was doing a Benfica game and they were playing away to, I think it was Bovista or, or Vitoria Guimaraes, one or the other, and... Previously, a Benfica player, a Hungarian international, had died on the pitch in that stadium, um, you know, 15 years ago or whatever. And it's just, it's it's a terrible, terrible thing to see. And uh, thank God, as we speak, the signs look very good for uh, Christian Eriksen. But as it, it does kind of, uh, and I know it's a bit trite maybe to say this, but it does put results, uh, managerial changes you know, penalty incidents. It puts everything into perspective, doesn't it? Oh, of course it does. Like, of course it does. Like, and watching Damien Duff and Liam Brady afterwards as well, and the it was that was really touching seeing seeing them yeah. seeing those lads and how they handle it, and, and Jackie herself um, presenting she it. Did she really did it. well. Yeah, it was a yeah. terrific job. Um, because it was very, it would have been very difficult for them for those lads as players, uh, former players, to be able to. To act so professionally in a, in a case like that, like Damien mentioned that he couldn't watch it, he had to walk around the studio. Um, yeah, it was. Really- and actually, while uh, just one last thing on that, Stephen Alkin and, and Lisa Fallon on on commentary, I thought they both handled it uh, well as well. I mean, uh, at one point, Lisa just said, "You know, there's no words. You can't." And and Stephen, with the experience he has of you know working around Hillsborough and the Heysel and stuff, um, he's seen it all and he handled it very well as well. I thought. Um, 
Well, look, on that cheery note, uh, <laughs> no, well, cheery. it is a cheery, is note, cheery note, actually, note, because, yeah. you know, as, as we speak, Christian is, is making a, uh, a recovery, which is absolutely brilliant, and the tournament will go on. Um, who's going to win the Euros? France. And I will go for Portugal. Top score? Griezmann of France. Oh, not bad. Yeah, I like Griezmann as well. I don't think. Although he's, uh, Lukaku now having scored a couple is, yeah. is probably going to be. Timo Werner's my outside bet. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, well, Germany are going to have to get out of the group if he's going to do yeah. that. Well, we've picked three teams there. We've talked about France, Portugal, and Germany, and they're all in the one group. So, yeah, we'll see. Score, one of them is going to miss out. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, look, um, as I say, again, congratulations on a brilliant career, Conan Byrne. And it's been really nice to hear from some of those uh, former teammates and managers and so on. And, and great to hear from somebody like Pat, the, the um, St. Pat supporter, who was so nice about you. Um, it is a bit sickening when so many people say so, so many nice things about you, but you are a nice guy. Listen, uh, we'll talk to you next week, uh, Conan. And uh, thanks a million to you for tuning in. And we will um, be back next week. Thanks, Conan. See you later.